0: especially because you can listen to like thought provoking podcasts not ours but a different one (laughs) yeah not us we're just here for baseless entertainment but
1: (laughs) vibes only no thoughts
0: welcome everybody to that pretentious book club. Welcome back friends. It's been such a long time. (laughs) It's been a whole seven days. I don't know how you guys made it without us.
1: (laughs) I mean truly like What do you do? You know, they just go listen to old episodes so that they don't cry all the time.
0: There have been a couple podcasts I listened to where I would do that. where I'd be like, I cannot wait a whole other week and I'll just go listen to old ones. But I don't know if we've reached that level with any of you. I don't
1: think that's us.
0: I don't think that is us. No.
1: Oh, I listened to this really cool podcast yesterday at work with my friend and it's about I like how you had to
0: contrast, there's our podcast, and then you listen to a cool (laughs) podcast. Yeah, not like
1: this one. No, no. (laughs) And it's about notorious historical women, like criminal women, basically. I love it. So we listened to one about Blanche Barrow, who is Clyde Barrow from Bonnie and Clyde, his sister-in-law. Cool. And that was fun. And then I made my coworker listen to her song from... The Bonnie and Clyde musical because this is who I am as a person, mm-hmm. but it was fun. I mean, it was sad. Anyway, I think I stand though. I'm like, <laughs> I
0: think I stand though. I think you do stand. <laughs> Nobody stands like you stand.
1: <laughs> Did you know that Bonnie Parker had? They got in like a terrible car accident because Clyde was driving too fast, obviously, mm-hmm. obviously. and battery acid in the car spilled out and burned her leg down to the bone and they couldn't go to the hospital because everyone knew who she was so they just like treated it themselves and like i think they got a random doctor anyway she couldn't walk right for the rest of her life <laughs> this is
0: Isn't horrifying that i had battery no idea acid burn <clears throat> i know Oh my gosh! Come on, Juicy. Oh, no, <laughs> there's a cat in front of the <laughs>
1: camera. <laughs> it was juicy. She just dive bombed us like Jennifer.
0: Of course, of course, the cat oh, got... to do
1: that. Um. Oh, by the way, if you want to skip all this, go oh, yeah. to the same Skip. In, go
0: to get the, the skip notes. notes out of the description. Also, that's Kendall Shaw.
1: Okay. Dr. Oh, yeah. It's Palermo. me. I'm Kendall. <laughs> Hi, howdy. That's Ashley Rourke. You can call her Wheezy. <laughs>
0: it ain't easy being Weezy.
1: Oh, now God. That <laughs> that's out of the way. <laughs> anyway, back to my nonsense. Um, <laughs> Wait, no, I don't remember what I saying. Oh, yeah. So, uh, a, lovely, a lovely person sent us an Instagram message and... Um, they are a big fan of Flora, apparently. So oh, just has I to call out my girl. <laughs> oh my goodness, her name's Emma! Emma, you yeah. love my cat. So Emma, Emma, thanks for being a fan. Oh my of god, i so mostly of our supreme leader, Flora. Mostly
0: of supreme club leader, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. She's, she also she also sent book racks. Is this her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, these all look amazing, Emma. Thank you. I know, right? Wow. Yeah, you I it's love the our best listeners. Rex. They, get, they give us the most amazing book wrecks It's fantastic. I
1: know. It's so I love good. I love it. Love it. Love it.
0: And season you four it. is actually, I think it's all set, you guys. So keep sending the book recs because we do have, as soon as we finish one season list, we start working on the next season list. So your stuff might be a season five. Um, but season four is ready because obviously we only have like one more book after this episode. And I'm so excited. And I got my first shipment of books from Thrift Books in and I did, like, a quote-unquote unboxing video. Uh, so I'm going to do that every time for you guys. So if you pay attention to the TikTok, you might see one of your book recs in there.
1: I don't know. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Your Twilight TikTok killed me. It was so funny.
0: I'm so glad. I I didn't yeah. think it was, like, super funny. I was just, like, this sound makes me think of them. And not, like, in a funny way, just in the, like, well, yes, that's Edward and Bella. And then I was, like, how can I make it funny? And I was, like, I feel like I could make it kind of, like, uh-huh oh that's amusing like that level of funny and that's so that's what i was shooting for i shot low
1: <laughs> well i think it uh you know you landed among the stars truly
0: <laughs> thank you i'm so glad really enjoyed oh yeah it. i was gonna say because my husband's at drill and so um for the non-Army peeps, if you're in the National Guard, you have to go to drill, like, once a month. And it could be, like, two days or four days. And this is, like, an extra long one. So I've just been, like, hanging out by myself and, like, walking around. And I realized something. I'm essentially a parakeet. <laughs> because, so, you know, like, you can teach parakeets to, like, say things.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but they say you don't want to put a mirror in the cage if you're planning to train your parakeet. Because if you put a mirror in the cage, the parakeet is only going to want to talk to their reflection. Oh. Like, because they're, like, because they're by themselves, but they see the other parakeet in the mirror, right? And so they talk to themselves if they're, like, they think that they're alone or whatever. And so I realized I'm just a parakeet. Because when Javi's not here, I'm like, what should I do? What should I do? And I take out my phone, and I'm like, time to make a TikTok and look at myself. (laughs) And that's, like, that's the only time. If you guys see TikTok, that I'm in I can almost guarantee you that it was recorded when Javi was away because I just walk around by myself and I'm like talking to myself talking to myself oh you know what I should talk to the mirror in my phone and so anyways I
1: just (laughs) discovered this about myself oh my god in your parakeet era
0: (laughs) my parakeet era and then didn't I say something about like at some point Like sometimes when I see shiny stuff, my dragon brain is just like, oh, yeah, I I need it. I don't even want it to wear it. I just need to have it so that Mm. I have the sparkly things. I think that's also a parakeet thing. So I am really just completely bird brained in like the most (laughs) literal sense (laughs) of the word. Goldfish brain, bird brain.
1: Yeah, exactly. My kitties are fighting. Ooh, I heard that. (laughs) That was Taffy. She's like, leave me alone, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It starts out, I think, as them playing Because nobody's making any noise And they're not hurting Mm -hmm. each other They just like bat at each other, you know? Uh And then Juicy is like Wait, maybe I want to bite you for real And then Taffy gets so mad (laughs) And I don't play. Yeah, well, her. it's
0: like when you're kids, when you're playing like with your siblings or whatever, and you're like, "Oh, it's all fun and games." And then someone hits you too hard and you're like,
1: <laughs> "Mom!" <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, uh, Brownie and Winnie, my puppies, have been doing that too lately. And Brownie's such the older sister and that she'll kind of just like let him follow her around everywhere and she just kind of tolerates it and then occasionally he'll just annoy the hell out of her and she'll bark at him and it's like a big angry just one big bark and he is the biggest little wuss i cannot with the drama with this guy it is the most hysterical thing i've never seen a dog do this she won't even like snap at him she'll turn and bark at him and he'll go oh, no. and he'll like why he'll make like a like 10 yips and he'll like freak out like he's having a seizure. Like oh she's god. bit him or something and he's injured. The first time he did it, I was like, Oh my god, is he okay? Like, did she try to bite him? Because he had thrown himself down <laughs> on the ground on his back and was riding around yipping. <laughs> I was like, What the hell, guys?
1: Oh my god. And now
0: I've seen him do it like ten times. Not even not even ten times, because I've only barked at him like three or four times. She's right here. She's like, Yeah, he's a little bitch. Um, But he will just
1: throw himself down. Oh, my God. It is so
0: funny. I was like, you have the drama. Exactly. I was like, you are your father's dog. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) They both have the drama. It's just so funny. I was so scared the first time. I was like, did she bite him? Because she's not an aggressive dog. No. No. She barked at him. And he's a little bitch.
1: (laughs) He's just so hurt and offended. He's He's like, do something. so offended.
0: Punish exactly. her. <laughs> He's like, mom, 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 did you see what she, mom. And I'm like, yes, I saw. And I think you're OK. It's
1: like soccer players who pretend like they're injured and they just fall on the ground.
0: And they're like, penalty, penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you see, ref, did you see? <laughs> did you see that? Yeah, that's Winchester. Brownie was just concerned with my yipping. She's in here with me. She just got up to come over here and be like, is this where he gets it? What is going on? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hi, Brownie. Sweet girl. I love you. Yeah, Nancy
0: Spoons is talking to you. She's giving me this look. She's got no idea why I'm talking to the computer. She's like, I <laughs> thought we were just talking to the mirror in your phone. Now you're talking to the mirror in your computer. She's like, What I need are you, dad you doing? To come home. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh my God. She's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I always think, like, every time I'm watching TV and my cats are like, Why are you not paying attention to me right now? Or Henry will do this too at home. I'm always like, they must be so confused. Like, what is so interesting about sitting on this couch right now? You know, like, (laughs) I just don't understand. It's
0: true. I don't think my cats care or really think about it all that much, honestly. But I do think that Brownie is confused, but she accepts it. (laughs) She's like, oh, this is just one of their quirks. (laughs) This is just one of the things that humans do. Winnie just, he's still, I was telling my mom yesterday, like, I think he might be learning his name now. I don't know. He is still fully in the phase of he looks at you and he's like, (sighs) and he's so happy and there's nothing in there at all. It's completely (laughs) empty. It's just static. It's just static and good vibes. <laughs> he's just purely
1: sunshine dog.
0: He's like, okay, Yeah, he's just fun. sunshine dog and drama dog and he has nothing else yet cuz you're like, "Come here." And he's like eh, eh. And you're like, "Winchester, do you know your name?" And he's like eh, eh, eh. And like there's just no change at all. Oh my god. <laughs> just He's a such blank a sweet void dummy. in there.
1: I love that. God, I wish that was me, you know?
0: Just <laughs> just, just, vibes, just really happy no void. Just vibes, no thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of flora too. Oh, that is so flora. Yeah, different vibes than Winnie's vibes. And but a little bit darker. <laughs> a, little, a lot darker. Just darker energy, but also same, just static. <laughs> yeah. Complete static. <laughs> complete static. Well anyways, how has your week been?
1: I Saw some friends earlier this week. Oh, I went on a date last night, and my friend... Why am I just
0: now hearing about this? I just hit my hand on the doorknob, and it's your fault for not telling me that you went on a date.
1: Well, I did. I think it went well. I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying all this, because... This is embarrassing. Anyway, but the... I hope he finds this podcast. I know. Oh, God. Hello,
0: young man that Spoons went on a date with. Hello. I am Ash, and I'm just telling you right now that I have first dibs, and I will always have first dibs, (laughs) and that you have to pass a screening process, which is basically me and my approval, and I just need you to know that now, and okay, Spoons, (laughs) continue. (laughs) So tell me about the date. Disclaimer over. (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, it was good, but um, some of my friends... Uh, we're gonna go out to eat last night, and so I was like, "Oh, I can't. I'm going on a date." And so I told him where I was going, and then, like in the middle of, we were just at a bar, and in the middle of this date, he went to the bathroom, and I'm oh like, god. just sitting there, and my friend Grace walks up, and she's like, "Hi," and I'm like, "Oh my god," because I have <laughs> literally just been thinking. Oh, I kind of wish my friends were here. Not that it was going badly, but just, like, you know, isn't it fun when your friends are there? (laughs) And I was like, it would be funny if they showed up. And she showed up. And she was like, hi, just wanted to say hi. We're outside. Come see us when you're done. And I was like, okay. So after the date, I, like, was like, okay, bye. And he was like, okay, bye. And he, like, went to his car. And then I, like, turned around and went immediately back into the bar. (laughs) Nice. I loved that for me. I love that for you. That's like the perfect date. It was. I don't know. It's like, I think that I just realized like recently, I'm like, I don't know, like. Dating people is so much work, and I'm, like, very content by myself a lot of the time because I was, like, really, like, hanging out with my friends. I don't know. Uh-huh. I was like, yes. okay, people – yeah, my friends were like, yeah, we're going to go out to eat. And I was like, oh, I mean, I'm not even dreading this date at all. I was just like, wait a minute, random boy I don't know or lifelong besties, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's no competition. It's
0: true, 100%. Dating is not I, – I don't think it's fun. I it's didn't not. think it was fun. My mom has been dating and she's like, it's, this is not fun. This is exhausting. And I was like, it is. I have no idea when the myth of dating is fun came no. into play. Because I feel like for most of us, it's not. I mean, everyone I know doesn't enjoy it. So yeah, I'm like, like, who out there is enjoying dating? <laughs> and who is, like, putting it,
1: it out there that it is fun? I don't know. I feel like yeah. it's
0: definitely not. It's a myth. It's, it's just definitely like, not.
1: you have to endure it until you start getting along and, and like, under, I don't know. It's just like
0: okay. Now until I guess you I'll hear find the one childhood. person. Yeah. <laughs> until you find someone who makes it all worth it, but then up until that point, it's just exhausting I, and annoying and feels like a waste of time. A big waste of time. And then, and it's annoying because there's no guarantee you're gonna find that person. And then it's also like, it still feels like wasted effort because I still have to expend the same amount of energy on you as I did on all of the other days.
1: Oh my God. It's exhausting. Anyway, it's ridiculous. It's more fun to read books and talk about them with your bestie, your waifu, you know? I completely agree, waifu. (laughs) I
0: obviously completely agree. Stay away from my spoons. She's mine. I'm just gonna keep you in the podcast in the club. No I'll, one can have you. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> You're like, actually, that's what I'm asking. for. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for our Twilight Day. I have Javi asked if I wanted to watch Twilight the other day and I was like, I can't. Because I have plans. Aww, <laughs> oh
1: my God. But I do
0: think we might have to invite him to at least the screening portion of Twilight Day because <laughs> <laughs> he loves Twilight.
1: That's perfectly great. <laughs> <laughs> the more the merrier you know
0: <laughs> it'll be good it'll be fun and my mom i have a i have a hunch because she's gonna come spend the night and i have a hunch she's she said you want to watch a movie and i was like yes and my brain went twilight and i was like don't say it because we're gonna watch it with spoons and i feel like my mom is gonna be like so twilight because my mom also really <laughs> likes twilight let's be honest we all love twilight it's
1: really well, enjoyable listen i mean if you'd if you'd like to watch it with your mother i won't no. you know be sad but i
0: want twilight day okay i watch
1: twilight day <laughs> <laughs> there's <are> so <laughs> many movies like and watch my mom. Twilight Day, Twilight Day. I think Twilight my mom day. and I might have Downton Abbey one day tonight because the Ooh. second movie is out this weekend. And mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I've been doing this week. I've just been watching so much Downton Abbey with Haley because I've gotten her to watch it and so now mm-hmm. she's hooked so we're in season I have th- tried two.
0: like three times now to watch Downton Abbey. <laughs> I'm not just not thing. that
1: interested. That, I mean, I don't know. I just... I'm not that shocked. I feel like it's not entirely your vibe, but I'm so obsessed with it that I'm partly like, how can
0: you, how can it not be in your vibe? I want to like it so bad because like the scenery, the costumes, the makeup, and it's so well written. Like everything about it is so high quality historical Mm -hmm. that I should want it so bad, but I don't. I'm like, I want all of the vibes of this. But I don't want to spend all of the time to I watch. Don't watch this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's I think it's the fact that it's mainly like a drama. Maybe is what it is. Where I'm like, if it yeah. were just a little bit funnier, maybe I would be more yeah, into it. It's
1: mostly a drama. I mean, there are some lighthearted bits, but yeah, mostly it's like yeah. the drama. I yeah, mean, it's probably worse not. As it's my crazy.
0: Thing. It is so crazy. So
1: yeah, that's the second one came out this weekend. So we're doing that for my grandma's birthday tomorrow.
0: Oh, fun. Happy birthday. <laughs> I was going to say I have enough drama in my life, uh, so I think that's why it doesn't appeal to me. This week's drama was that I, I went out to the chicken coop. Of course, Javi left for drill. I go out to the chicken coop in the wee small hours of the morning, and two of the chickens um, did not make it through the night. No, baby. So after trying to discern for, like, hours of research what could have killed them, they were killed. Uh, it was a murder it was two murders it was a double homicide oh no and yeah um i felt really bad too uh i determined it was a snake i'm pretty damn sure it was a snake also because nothing else could have gotten in there so typically snakes are not that big of a risk to the snakes in our area are not that big of a risk to grown chickens they will just try to they'll steal the eggs right Uh so you have to look for them before you grab eggs uh and i did see a big-ass rat snake out there, and they are notorious for that, and my guess is because the chickens, they're, like, teenagers now, so I think that the snake got in, thought, I could probably swallow that chicken, and then was like, oh, wait, I can't, it's too big, so it, like, regurgitated it, because the chickens were, like, no wounds, just, like, wet from the head, like, down the neck, so I think that it, two of them, I was like, you didn't learn the first time, you idiot snake? Anyway, so that was sad, but I was thinking... Yeah, but I was thinking, sometimes I've asked God, why did you make chickens so stupid? Like, they're just the dumbest creatures I've ever met. (laughs) And then I was like, you know what, I get it though now, because when you're a chicken, you are just so low on the food chain that, like, you know, your sibling could get got by a snake or a fox or a hawk or whatever, but you're so damn dumb that you're going to immediately forget. Like they were just all the other chickens were just walking around the dead bodies of their brethren were like, yeah, I don't even know what that is. Is that a rock? I don't. Hello. Where's oh, the food? No. And like nothing at all. And I was like, at least this is like a, it's like a mercy. The stupidity is like a mercy because I'm like, you have no memory of the trauma that you endured last <laughs> night. I,
1: I think that's a really good way to look at it. You know, but I think. Yeah. Yeah. That actually gives me some peace about it. Yeah, (laughs) it
0: actually gave me a lot of peace, too, because I was like... I mean, I feel so bad that we lost the two chickens. And I did go and spend an hour, like, patching up every tiny little hole. And then... um, Because, I mean, it's okay to have some holes because... I mean, we know snakes are going to get in eventually. And if the chickens were just a little bigger, they wouldn't have been attacked by a snake. Their eggs would be stolen, like, when they start producing eggs. But it wouldn't have gone after a full-grown chicken. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I put snake repellent down. So hooray, no more casualties since then. We've had a few nights, at least, of no more attacks. But um, I don't know where I was going with this. Oh, yeah, I was just I felt bad about losing the chickens, <laughs> Yeah, but I sad. felt worse for the siblings who remained because they had to witness that. And then I realized they have no idea what happened. <laughs> they, no memory they of just it. Don't know. Yeah, they just don't even know.
1: I had so. the exact same. I mean, I, ha- I guess I hadn't fully re- realized this was my opinion until now. Thank you for this. But when Finn, my fish, died two weeks mm-hmm. ago i was like so upset about it and then you know what maybe it's the same sort of thing because i don't think munch had any idea he no. was just swimming around like oh i guess my brother know. is dead so i'm like yeah you know it's a blessing that he's so dumb he just it's has a blessing no memory that of it know. no trauma. you did not
0: tell you, me that my nephew died also uh
1: i was very distraught about it so i, I could have guys.
0: been there for you in your grief <laughs> i'm sorry Spoons. it was really really sad that's really sad i have cried about it for like two days i would too that's that actually so, so much sadder than the chickens because i didn't know the chickens that long and they don't live in my house they I, lived outside
1: i have had them for like almost two years now so it was yeah. so sad i'm but so
0: sorry yeah thank you
1: <laughs> no much let's all take a room. moment of
0: silence for finn
1: Uh, And for the chickens, let's throw them in there.
0: Oh, yeah, them too, I guess. Moment of
1: silence. Okay, that's good. Yeah,
0: it was good. (laughs) God, it's hard to have animals. I hope they feel remembered. Yeah, I know. It is hard. Yeah, but they're (sighs) good. Well, anyways, should we get into uh, the book that we're going to do this episode, or really the author?
1: Let's do it.
0: Okay, you guys, this episode, we're doing one of my all-time favorite books in the entire world, Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. Yay! Hooray! All the invisible... (sighs) Yeah, Ray Bradbury! It's exciting. (laughs) Does anyone have... You've all heard of this book, right? Like, this is not... This is not surprising that we're doing this. This is like no. a pretty famous classic. I
1: feel like we should have done it before, you know?
0: I feel like we should have, too. I was like, wait, how did we wait until the end of season three to get to this book? But I've got my pretty... It's like a hardcover, which I was surprised oh, to find on thrift It looks books. like a
1: library version, you know?
0: Yes, well, it is, and that's... On Thriftbooks, you find a lot of different versions oh, of there books. You go. Yeah. So, if you guys are watching the video... Oh, I forgot to say, also, I put up some video of our, of our episodes on Patreon, so... Because now that we're recording remotely some, sometimes we have videos, you guys. So if you guys are on Patreon, you can now enjoy those. And by enjoy, I don't know if you'll really enjoy, but they're there if you want to laugh at the way that we look while we speak. We're not used to you guys having to see us. I know.
1: It's looking like a mess.
0: Yeah, but I'll add this one up there, too. I think the ones up there now are the video of our tree grows in Brooklyn and our Twilight (laughs) recording. Oh, boy. Oh boy, so those videos are up, and I'll put this one up too if you guys want to see what my pretty, pretty book looks like. At some point, we may share these on YouTube for everybody later down the road, but for now, they're just exclusive for Patreon to say thank you for our Patreon supporters. Um, Anyways, so my electricity just flickered. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, so I did take, like, copious, copious pages of notes on Ray Bradbury Uh, So I'm going to give them to you. So all of this came from Britannica and biography.com. So Ray Bradbury, Ray Douglas Bradbury, full name, was born August 22nd in 1920 in Waukegan, Illinois, to parents Leonard and Esther. And his mother, Esther, was a Swedish immigrant, and his dad, Leonard, worked as a lineman for power and telephone lines. So interesting. Uh, Do you want to guess what his Zodiac sign is? I should be doing this. After, like before, I tell you his birthday because you know you tend to know what. What did he say his
1: birthday was again?
0: No, I'm just gonna make you guess because I shouldn't <laughs> have told you first. Oh,
1: I was said here. Uh, I like immediately forgot it as soon as you said. Um, Perfect.
0: Maybe uh, Scorpio. <laughs> no, he's a Leo. Okay, a Leo. Uh, So as a child, he loved horror films and science fiction magazines. Uh, He was also a huge fan of magic. And he credits pretty much the beginning of his, this is wild, like of his writing career and his passion to write every day of his life to a carnival magician named Mr. Electro. Who he met in 1932.
1: I am completely obsessed with that.
0: (laughs) It's hilarious. Mr. Electro. (laughs) Mr. Electro really honestly started. He made Ray Ray Bradbury who he is somehow, which is just. Oh,
1: my God. Thank you, Mr. Electro.
0: If he didn't meet Mr. Electro, would we have the Ray Bradbury (laughs) that we have to thank for so much? I have no idea. It's the little Um, things, you
1: know. Mr. Electro is is going to carry me for the rest of the week.
0: Yeah, you. Sh- it should. He should. He carried Ray Bradbury for the rest of his life. So Mr. Electro told him that he was going to live forever, basically, or said that to live forever as a directive to him. And Ray was like, OK, I will. And then, uh, let's see. He also said that he was the reincarnation of his best friend who died in World War I. What? Bro. Of Ray's best friend, I think. That is so, crazy. So. Yes, yeah, so I don't know what to think about that at all. But apparently, Ray totally credited that whole experience to his decision to become a full-time writer. And a few days later, he sat down and basically started writing full-time. And he was like 12 or 13 at this point. And so he literally <laughs> spent hours a day from this point on every single day writing. So when he was a teenager, him and his family moved to L.A. Uh, and that's where he joined a science, the Science Fiction League in L.A., uh, he met weekly there with other science fiction writers whose names I did not recognize, and I don't think you'll recognize, but I'll pull them up anyways. Henry Cutner, Edmund Hamilton, Robert Heinlein, and Lee Brackett. Uh, mm. I don't know any of them, but if you guys are into classic sci-fi, maybe you know those authors. He basically would sit down and write with them every week. Uh, he published his first short story, Hollerbachen's Dilemma, in the League's Fanzine magazine, but called a Fanzine in 1939. Adorable. Uh, th- Adorable, exactly. This is the same year that he traveled to the first world science fiction convention in New York City. So, exciting stuff. Cool. Um, He sold newspapers to support himself. He did not go to college because it was expensive and he couldn't afford it, but he basically credited libraries with raising him and said that every week he spent, like, three days a week at the library. And so he basically Uh credits his whole education to that. Um, Apparently I saved another screenshot that I wanted to read to you guys. Uh, Let's see he published four issues of his own fan magazine at the time when he was supporting himself by selling newspapers and he named his own magazine Futuria Fantasia. I'm not saying that right. I'm sure I'm sure that I'm putting the emphasis on all, on all the wrong syllables, but um, every basically every piece in the magazine was written by him, but he used different pseudonyms to make it seem like it wasn't just a one man magazine. <laughs> That's really funny. (laughs) I know. It's really good. I think it's really good. And in 1941, he made his first sale to a professional science fiction magazine called Pendulum. Or sorry, the name of the story is Pendulum. The magazine is called Super Science Stories. Uh, (laughs) World War II got started, but he was ineligible to join due to his vision problems. Uh, His first book of short stories, Dark Carnival, came out in 1947, and that was the same year that he married Marguerite Maggie Mick. I can't remember her last name. I did not write it well. Anyways, uh, she went by Maggie. And she was a clerk at the local bookstore, which is like oh, the cutest. Wait a minute. That's so cute. I know. It's so cute. Uh, so and I could be saying her first name wrong, but it's spelled like Marguerite, not like Margaret. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. So Maggie. Maggie. And her name is, like, Mick-something, I don't remember. Okay. I didn't. I can't read my own handwriting here, so. Uh, <laughs> always reliable, Ash. Uh, in the mid-1940s, uh, his work started to appear in, like, nationwide magazines, so that's exciting. Uh, his Martian Chronicles was a short story collection that was released in 1950. In 1951, perhaps his more famous short story collection, The Illustrated Man, was released. I've definitely yes. heard about that. Um, and then in 1953 Fahrenheit 451 was released which is considered still his greatest work and it's kind of funny because this is actually the only true science fiction book he wrote everything else was like horror and fantasy and mystery but Mm -hmm. he's known as a science fiction author even though this was the only thing that was like legitimate science fiction interesting yeah and it was adapted into a film in 1966 Apparently, I am telling myself to look at my phone again. Sometimes when it's a lot of stuff I don't want to write down, I just take a screenshot. Uh Aha, okay. (laughs) So... Apparently there was another collection, The Golden Apples of the Sun, published in 1953, that contained a story called The Foghorn, which was loosely adapted into a film called The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, which came out in 1953, and it was about um, lighthouse keepers and a sea monster, which I just really like the idea of. Oh, and then also, perhaps, I think this might be his most famous short story, because I know I had to study it in school. I studied it in high school and then again in college, A Sound of Thunder.
1: Yeah. Did you have to read that? Yeah. No, I haven't.
0: Um it's really good. If you guys haven't read it, you should. It's about a safari that goes back to like the Mesozoic era and it's all about like if you is, isn't a sound of thunder the one where if you step on a fly <coughs> in the Mesozoic era, it can change everything in the future. Sorry. I, I think that's a sound of thunder or something. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I yeah, the one where you like if you mess something up, yeah, like It's like a time travel thing.
0: Yeah, it's a time travel thing. And it's really, it's really, really good short story. So I've always remembered that one. Even before I liked classic stuff, I really liked that short story. So you guys should go check it out. Um, In 1954, he spent six months in Ireland working on the screenplay for the film Moby Dick.
1: Really? Yes. (laughs) Okay.
0: And then he later fictionalized that experience of his time in Ireland working on that uh, into a 1992 novel called Green Shadows, White Whale
1: oh
0: yeah Uh, he and his wife Maggie had four daughters oh yes and early in their marriage basically she was kind of the breadwinner because before all this other stuff and he was starting to get really famous um, like right after they first got married and he was still you know publishing fanzines and all that stuff (laughs) she was basically the breadwinner and I (laughs) like that for him I think he was very progressive but without being like I'm a progressive he just was and it's amazing um, cause this was not, this was a hot minute ago. I also feel like he was very much a man out of his time. Like, I feel like the way that he writes feels very, very modern. And I think yeah. of like when he was writing and like when you compare it to other things that people were writing at that time, his just sounds completely different. Anyways. Um, he was a, then he worked as a screenwriter for some very well-known stuff. He screenwrote for Playhouse 90, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and The Twilight Zone.
1: Of course, oh. The Twilight
0: Zone. Um, and then in 1957, he wrote an autobiographical novel called Dandelion Wine, and it's considered really probably his most personal thing that he wrote. Uh, lots more novels, then he wrote some plays. This man wrote so much stuff. I look like, at the end of this, I put down like how many things he's written, and it's just it's insane. Um, in the 1970s, he started focusing more on poetry and drama. I didn't know he wrote poetry, but of course he did, because there's nothing that this man didn't write. Um okay this is this is mind-blowing he adapted 59 of his short stories for a television series called the ray bradbury theater which ran from 1985
1: to 1992 okay that is so iconic of him wow it imagine having so, so many of your short stories on tv that would be so cool
0: and it would be so cool and he got to adapt them himself wow and 59 like he had so many more and he's just like i'll just pick the best 59 oh my god <laughs> oh, um man dude i I know. Uh, let's see. He won an Emmy for his adaptation of The Halloween Tree, which came out in 1994. And he also won the National Medal of Arts in 2004. And in 2007, most famously, he got a Pulitzer Prize. So, way to
1: go, Ray. He-
0: Seriously. Uh, he wrote for several hours a day, every day his entire life. Like, that's what he said, and everyone else was like, yeah, it's true, he did. That seems like such a commitment. So Even to someone who wants to work as a full-time <laughs> author, I'm like, whoa, really?
1: Yeah. Every no day? He had so many short stories.
0: <laughs> yeah, here, I'll give you the total now. So in his lifetime, he published more than 30 full-length books... Nearly 600 short stories, and none of this is to mention the poems, essays, screenplays, and plays that he made a career out of. You are kidding me. No, oh this my man God, too. So, all thanks to Mr. Electro or Mr. Thank Electrico. You, Mr. Electro, oh my God. So good. Uh, let's amazing. see. Apparen- it's amazing. But apparently, of all of his like awards and stuff, he was most proud of being named an idea consultant for the 1964 wo- World Fair. Which is pretty cool. They're like, his ideas are so good. We have to hire him as a consultant for the World Fair. I love that. I love it, too. So he continued writing, like, well into his 80s at the point where he would basically, he was dictating for hours at a time his stories to his daughters and they would transcribe them. Which is just like... Of course, the man just could not turn it off.
1: Um, <laughs> They're like, Ray, please, like, take a breather. He's like, no.
0: <laughs> He's like, no, I, 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 I cannot and now will not. Mr. Electrico me. would not
1: approve. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <sighs> um, let's see, and then he finally passed away in a in los angeles on june 5th in 2012. i actually remember thinking i think i remember hearing about this but i didn't really know who he was then but i do remember like seeing stuff about this Mm -hmm. Uh, and he was 91 years old
1: wow good for him
0: yeah so go ray
1: go ray
0: that is all the stuff i've got on our our man (laughs) ray bradbury like good lord
1: i love him i think i'm a big fan
0: (laughs) I i know i'm a big fan after this specifically Wow. That's amazing. Anyways, that's our boy Ray. He's an inspiration to us all. (laughs) Should we get into Fahrenheit 451?
1: Let's do it. Fahrenheit 451 is a book. And the main character. (laughs) before, Before I even started, the only thing I knew about it is now firefighters burn books, which is, I'm not incorrect. That is basically what it is but the, it's true. are yeah, main do. but i didn't know like a lot about it our main character is named guy montag um mm-hmm. they just call him montag a lot of the time and he is a fireman it's like in this future society um where everyone what i got from it is everyone is doing that thing where you um drown yourself in media so you don't have to think about anything.
0: Yes, that's 100% what it is. <laughs> that's, that's exactly like, what it is.
1: That's what's going on on a societal mm-hmm. level rather it's than like, just me watching Keanu Reeves movies in my room, you know? Yeah,
0: it's like media-flooded version of Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, the, like every single person in society, at least in the Western society that we get to see a picture of, is completely just given over to they spend all day with like headphones in their ears mm-hmm. listening to entertainment and the enter e- that would be one thing but the entertainment has devolved to the point where like they even like say later in the book it's just sounds so that you have feel sensations mm-hmm. and people are like it's an amazing story and the stories aren't about anything there's like there's not just tvs like there are whole it's walls of your living room it's a whole room and you can like get like you get like a script in the mail and you can like interact with the people as if you're in like a play in the story but it's always about nothing it's like so and so is mad at so and so and then guy would walk in and be like well why like when his wife's trying to tell him about it and she's like well just listen and there's never any reason Mm -hmm. because because what there's no reason for any of it it's just insane and people are just live for the for thrill and sensation like driving like a hundred over a hundred miles an hour on average and like kids kill each other and the entire point of every person's life is to just it's just sensations
1: yeah exactly it's um I hate to do that thing because it's like I don't know sometimes I'm annoyed I'm like wow this is just like us but I'm like oh this is just like me (laughs) (laughs) this is just like us we I feel like it's not I mean sure it's I think that kind of dystopia like science fiction books always like just take it A little bit to the extreme, so that it proves its point, you know.
0: Yeah. But
1: there is like stuff in here where I was like, I mean, I can see us. We do kind of do that already, like in yeah different. I like it's like I almost feel like I have to have something going on like music or Mm -hmm. tv or a book or audiobook or podcast
0: we live in a state of overstimulation we're so used to it that to not be overstimulated feels wrong yeah you're like like, it feels like you're kind of like empty yes exactly yeah
1: and Mm -hmm. so yeah it's just weird and i think that in this one another thing about it is like the constant barrage of like advertisements and stuff in everything like Mm -hmm. you're just like there's part where he's just sitting on the train and it's just constant 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 with this one stupid ad over and over and (laughs) over and or like even in the like parlor like tv show things um yeah that his wife is so obsessed with like those are filled with ads too like everything is an advertisement and just about nothing and (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's
0: no and i feel like that's actually just true i feel like i know that is exactly what life is now everything is an advertisement everywhere you go they like do they do play them over the speakers in public places like
1: 100 (laughs) like you go to pump gas and there's ads blaring at you it's just crazy i think that i don't know Mm where i guess we're used to it almost but it's like if you think about it it's like
0: why like (laughs) let me just live my life um yeah, according to my McDougal little version of this book edition, on the back it says that Bradbury about Fahrenheit 51 said that he was trying to, quote, prevent the future and, quote, not, pre- not predict it. And I want to be like, well, <laughs> well bud, uh, <laughs> you did one of the two. <laughs> hey, buddy, bestie, pal. <laughs> hey, buddy, bestie, pal. You had a very good idea and... uh we are just now realizing how correct you are, but we did not take any kind of advice out of this. We were like, what if we just did that? What if we just did yeah,
1: like, oh, that? like, that sounds pretty good.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, that sounds nice. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of like the world we're in. But uh, Montag, he's a fireman, so he does indeed start fires rather than putting them out. They basically will get, like, tips that people have, like, all these books or whatever. And mm-hmm. they, have, they go and just... You know, destroy them because you're not allowed to have them. And it's like, no, we want you to have the media we want you to have, which is this nothing Nothing. TV show. (laughs) Yeah. They're basically
0: like if people think then people will disagree because yes. that's what happens with people with different thoughts and if people disagree there will be dissent and then they'll basically they're saying there will be no peace and what they mean is we won't be able to control the masses Yep. so yeah so they're. this is set so far in the future that like people don't even remember but it, and yet it's not even that far because people's like grandfathers remember when it wasn't when books weren't illegal mm-hmm. um But basically, the whole society has been brainwashed into totally forgetting that firemen used to exist to stop fires. And everyone's like, no, that's that's a myth. Firemen have only ever existed to burn books. Like they'll be like, yeah, back in the 1700s, firemen were burning books because books are dangerous and bad.
1: Yeah. And they've kind of
0: rewritten like history. So that that's what they think.
1: (laughs) And it's insane. It is crazy. And so then there's this girl. She's like 17 and she is like new to the neighborhood. Clarice McClellan. Yes, Clarice. And so Montag and Clarice just, like, keep, like, sort of hanging out and she's kind of, like, she's kind of a Manic Pixie dream girl for this universe.
0: (laughs) She's straight Luna Lovegood. She's 100% Luna Lovegood. She's, like,
1: (laughs) I mean, I like her a lot, but she's very into, like, nature and she's pretty personable, Mm -hmm. but She's, she's kind very thoughtful. Of, she's thoughtful, and she kind of like will show him things, and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, I don't ever think about that," or like, "I've never really thought about it," or like, I don't know. She'll be yeah. like, oh, "Wow, isn't it crazy how this smells like this?" And he's like, "Oh, I guess it does." Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. So she's just like this really cool, cool girl who like he sees her like every day, and he kind of like starts looking mm-hmm. forward to it because she's just like you know yeah. making him think about things.
0: And her whole family is weird like her too. Yeah. But she's always like, My uncle says this, my uncle says that. And they just like sit up at night and talk, which guy just <laughs> cannot wrap his head around. But like the lights will just be on in the house at night, which doesn't happen because they're all just in there talking. So they're like, The whole family is on the government's watch list. And she has right. like no friends at school. And she basically doesn't really go to school anymore because she's just been like flagged as this like outcast. And like they're all crazy. Like they do. They say that she's mentally ill mm-hmm. because she's just not into what everyone else is into which is like driving 105 miles an hour killing other kids she's like did you yeah. know that kids didn't used to kill each other my uncle says that they didn't used to <laughs> it's oh just like God. oh God. <laughs> you know, uh, yes, I believe.
1: yeah so she, she's kind of just from this cool ass family really yeah they're awesome <laughs> they're kind of just yeah. not you know Like everybody else, Montag gets home one night, and his wife Mildred he calls her Millie sometimes. She constantly has these they call them like seashells like they're basically Mm -hmm. like AirPods. I imagine.
0: Yeah, they're straight (laughs) AirPods. She has these AirPods
1: in all the time. This needs to be
0: remade like right now, just with modern (laughs) technology. You wouldn't even have to set this in another world. Like you could, this this is like a Black Mirror situation. I know. This could literally just be a story in society right now and you could just tweak a couple things oh it, my god I'm obsessed me with so that so upset
1: that it's basically airpods I was like oh, damn it um, so <laughs> she's, yeah. so
0: she's even constantly... since the last time I read this I was like holy shit technology has advanced since the last time I read this so that last time I read this this felt even further detached and now I was like okay so this is exactly what we have <laughs> <laughs>
1: <That's>... got it <laughs> okay great <laughs> um and so he uh he comes home and she is like almost dead um because she took a bunch of pills and Uh so he's like oh why would you do that and she's like
0: i didn't do that and he's like okay (laughs) Um, it's awful (laughs) it's so normal for (laughs) people to od on like sleep medicine or whatever Mm -hmm. the hell that like they don't even, like, go to the hospital anymore. There's just these guys that travel around, like, in their truck with their, like, equipment or whatever that just get calls, like, ten or more calls a night that just go from house to house, like, pumping people's stomachs. Yep. Which is just how normal this It's horrifying. Yeah, it's, it's scary. It's awful. It's because I will say we're not there yet. No. But, yeah, everyone's depressed. And so, yeah, it's just really sad. Nobody um, is in therapy. No, they <laughs> all no need one to is be in therapy. Therapy going to therapy. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: Millie and, he don't, and Montag don't, like, super, you know, talk or see eye to eye. They can't really even remember when they met or, like, why they got married or anything. So then one of the next big thing that happens is Montag, um, while he's, you know, doing his firefighter job, they get a call to go burn some books at this lady's house. And mm-hmm. they show up there, and the lady is like, no. And she... Sets her own house on fire with her in it Rather than like let them do it basically Mm -hmm. And so Montag is like freaking out about this Because he's kind of like oh my god He's like says something like there must be something In these books that like would make somebody do that You know it can't just be like oh she was crazy or whatever Like there was a conviction there and so he's he's been kind of questioning things for a while, though. Kind of mm-hmm. di- and he but, steals a book. Yes. And he, like,
0: hides it. Which yeah. is highly illegal.
1: Yes. He, yeah. So, yeah. Not a thing he's, like, really sharing at the moment. But, yeah. He stole a book. <laughs> and uh, he just, like, kind of puts it under his pillow. And is like, okay.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Um, so, yeah. So that's going on. And then he finds out. A couple of days later, he doesn't see Clarice for a couple of days, and he's like, where is she? Kind of getting upset because he misses her. Mm -hmm. And then he finds out from his wife later that she is dead and was killed by a car. And so he's like very upset, (laughs) obviously. But then he was like, um, you know, kind of thinking about all of his awakening things, I guess. This is kind of shocks him into his um, yeah. awakening, I suppose. And so he's been stealing books for a while, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah. So he
1: has a whole stash of them and he's mm-hmm. been, like, hiding them in the A.C. vent. Um, yeah. And so
0: But Beatty, his, like, the the fire chief or whatever, like, comes over because the after the woman gets burned and he's got the, the book hiding in his pillow, he's, like, he's basically sick because he's so, like, sick to his soul. Right. Yeah. And so Millie's, like, what's wrong with you? You've never been sick before. And he's like, well, I am now. And she's like, you've never been sick before. She's just like a little bit of static in her brain too. Actually a lot of static. There's just not that much. (laughs) Ton of static. Uh, And she just doesn't really care about him or anyone or anything other than like her own entertainment. And Um, the parlor
1: people. Other than the parlor.
0: Yes. Like the parlor, like, yeah. TV things. All the characters are her family. It's horrifying. Um, but then the fire chief Beatty or whatever, however you say his name, like, he comes over and he basically, he, without saying it, is kind of like, so I know you stole a book. Yeah. And the thing is, he's like, everyone does it every now and then, you know, every now and then a fireman will get curious. I get it. You want to know what's in it. I've taken him too. So we have a rule. You can have 24 hours to look it over, realize it's all nonsense, and you can burn it yourself or bring it in and I'll burn it for you. Yep. And so,
1: yeah, <laughs> and then he's got
0: this whole... And basically, Beatty is, like, the mouthpiece of society for this book. Uh Like, he explains, basically, yeah, you're right. Because he had... Guy had previously asked him, like, hey, is it true that firemen used to stop fires? And he's like actually yeah it's true but we wrote it out and he's like everyone's happier this way he basically explains that like free thought is the enemy to peace and it's alarming because i feel like there are people out here today who agree with this concept which is no i don't feel like it i know there are and it's horrifying and basically Beatty is just the mouthpiece for this entire philosophy and then and he does it like he's like three big long speeches throughout the book that are just like Well, this is horrifying and it explains why their society is the way it is and it also explains why i feel like what some people in our society actually do think now which is scary but um he leaves and then millie's like why would you do this guy i wanted to buy another parlor wall we only have three i wanted to fill it out (laughs) with a fourth if you lose your job we can't (sighs) She's mad he's going to lose his job. And then he's like, Millie, I have something to show you. And then is when he shows her that he's been collecting books. And up till now, we had no idea this was happening. I remember the first time I read this being like, wait, what? What? Hold the phone. Hold the seashells. Yeah, I was surprised. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. He's like been hoarding books. And he hasn't read any of them. And so Millie's not handling it well. He's freaking out,
1: obviously, because it's illegal. And he's not invested at all. She's just like, what the hell? Why would you do this? She doesn't get She's like, it. She's you're
0: going to destroy our lives. Yeah. I want my parlor wall. What if I can't talk to wall. my family? <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, yeah. we're going
1: to read the books. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Yeah. And he's like,
1: he kind of says this thing where he's like, Millie, I literally never ask anything of you. Please read the books with me.
0: <laughs> yeah. And um, she's, like, basically gonna just... She lets him read the books. But she's been, like... She just secretly, like, will pick one up and, like, burn it. Like, she's been secretly, like, taking from his stash and burning them. Yeah. Now that she knows. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it's just... He's trying to, like, read through everything. And he's... um I love... He has, like, some analogy about... um What is it? Like... Basically, like putting things in and then everything just falling out. Like he's really trying so hard to like grasp uh-huh. things because he's like, this is a, must be important, but yeah. he's not. That's how
0: I usually feel about classics. <laughs> I'm like, uh huh, uh huh. It's all gone.
1: There it is, out the, out the one ear and out the
0: other. Out the other, hundred um,
1: percent. But he remembers that he want he met this guy one time named Faber, and he mm-hmm. was like an old English professor. And so he's like, oh, my God, I I know how to get in contact with that guy. I bet he can help me, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he visits Faber, and then Faber is like, oh, what the hell? But he's like, okay, listen, you're kind of thinking about it the wrong way. Like, it's not that books are so important. It's about it's that the thing, the ideas inside books are what is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And so he's like, I love the line. I, I think I picked it as my favorite line, but he says something about, like, listen, anything could have this, like an old movie, like even the parlor <laughs> shows could be about things that are yes. important, but they're not. That's true. Like That's why yep. the books are banned, because yep, they don't do that. They're, there's all the older books or, you know,
0: mm-hmm. it's very
1: interesting. And so, um, he, like, agrees to, like, help him kind of, like, read things and look things over. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: And he has, like, Guy basically was like, how many copies left do you think there are of, like, the Bible or whatever here. And he's like, none. None. And he's like, I have one in my stash. So he leaves it with Faber and he's like, do you think we could find someone to get these printed again? At first Faber's like, absolutely not because he's a coward. And then he's like, actually, okay, fine. If you can get me the money, I know someone who used to be a printer. I bet we can convince him to print it. But you're going to have to like go along with my plan here and not like be like really rash or you're going to get yourself caught and this is all going to come crashing down. And so he gives him this like little like earpiece that Faber can speak into, like... Faber has one he can speak into and then guy hears him in his ear, mm-hmm. which I'm like, yes, we have that as well. Easy peasy. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not surprising. It's just Bluetooth. So um, <laughs> we, have blue- we have the technology. <laughs> we have the technology. Um, but in this setting, it's like, ooh, he made it himself. Uh, and so Faber's basically like coaching him like how to act. And he goes right. and has him turn in a different book as if he just took the one book. And Beatty's like, glad to see you came to your senses or whatever and burns it. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is this when they concoct the plan to, like, put books in firefighters' houses? Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to kind of, like, frame people, basically. And then to kind of try and overthrow things on a larger scale so Mm -hmm. they can, like...
0: And there's, oh, there's, like, hints of, like, this war that's about to break. Yeah, But none of the people care or pay any attention. But if you listen to the radio, sometimes you'll hear, like, news about war is breaking or whatever and people are getting like men are getting called out of their homes like they said something like uh, on the radio they said one million men have been sent to war it's actually three million Faber's like no the number is three million and people are just being taken to just go get sent to war and but nobody is even really barely aware that there's a war going on that like the war is about to start like war is declared and war ends i think in a span of like 24 hours yes it's crazy it's insane so faber is like right now if we tried it we can't do this on a grand scale like we can't bring back books and free thought but maybe after the war things will be changed and the new landscape will have an end so he's basically trying to get guy to like start setting things in motion slowly don't be rash don't make a big move right now because it's not going to have many much of an impact right now but soon they will and guy very quickly forgets that that is the plan. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, mm, "Okay, great. <laughs> I won't think He's about it." Like, mm, but all. I have feelings, so yes. I think I should. I think I should just go with those.
1: Yeah, cuz he goes home and uh, some of Millie's friends are there and they're
0: so vapid and they stupid. They are.
1: They're just talking about stuff so like casually and like they're mm-hmm. not They're they're completely I think everybody in this society has detached themselves from themselves. (laughs) Like they're very detached. They don't think about anything and they don't feel anything. They just think they do. That's what they have to have all these sensations in order to like not go insane, I feel. Um, Yes. So they're kind of, so Montag gets mad at them. Like he's hearing how they're talking and he gets mad. And so he starts reading poetry and one of the ladies starts like crying and he's basically calling them out like, you don't feel anything, and you're terrible, and everybody in the society is terrible, and all this. And Mm -hmm. so they're like, ah, F you.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And And then then Millie tries to be like, oh, it's just a thing firemen are allowed to do. yeah, Like, once a year or whatever, they can pick a book and come just to show us how silly it is, and then she burns it, and she's just the worst. I'm also like, is that the most thought you put into anything in your whole life? (laughs) It
1: did seem like, this is a big thought for our Millie. (laughs) It is a big thought for her.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's so
1: yeah, so that goes on and Faber in the earpiece is like, What are you doing?
0: He's like, You're gonna ruin everything. Yeah. And Guy's like, But I have it's like when you learn a new thing and it's your new thing and you're all about <laughs> it. So you're like, I'm gonna tell everybody about it. We must That's what tell Guy him. is doing. Yeah,
1: he's like, Have you guys heard about poetry? And they're like, I hate poetry and he's like, Well, have you read it? <laughs> <laughs> um, he's like, Let me read it to you. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So then he ends up taking one of his books to the fire station, he's gonna hand it over, basically. Mm-hmm. Um but then Beatty starts quoting all this literature at him. Like, it's really weird. And so Montag is mm-hmm. like, what the hell? And Beatty's like, listen, everything contradicts itself anyway. It does, that's why it's so stupid. Literature yeah. means nothing. Like, nobody mm-hmm. knew what they were talking about. That's, like, the yeah. whole point. And it's yeah. just so interesting. Because, like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, there's <laughs> I some, There's some really good thoughts, quote but. where he says something about, like, minorities don't like this racist book and I don't remember what it was that's why I'm saying it like that and then white people don't like Uncle Tom's Cabin because it makes them feel bad so you know what everybody can feel good if we just get rid of all of it and you're like that's the problem but it was such a good point Beatty makes these amazing points that are I mean they're so incorrect but he (laughs) makes them in such a way that I'm like that's exactly what some people think. Like, this is not an unheard of philosophy. Because of the setting and, like, the drastic nature of it, we're like, that's crazy. But it's actually not. Many, it's many not... people think this. Well, He really... lays out all of the reasons for censorship. He lays out all of the arguments in an amazing way. He's very... I mean, he's so lucid. And he's so he's calm such a good about speaker. it. <laughs> so calm, and it's very well thought out. And I'm like, this is the problem, is that people do believe this, and Beatty is making all of the points. And part of it's true, but there's fallacies in there. Yeah. But, like, he makes just enough true valid points that you're like, what if he's right? Well, I don't think that, but I think do people do think that.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, we're... A lot of the... I don't know. I guess I'm I'm in the library world a lot just with my, you know, degree. Oh, not, I don't Everything. have it yet, but, like, <laughs> yeah. school and stuff. And uh-huh. there are so – there is so much censorship happening in libraries right now. Like, mm-hmm. it is crazy to think about it Um, because people take a little bit – they're like, well, this is a valid point why this shouldn't be in here. But then it just – spirals and spirals until everyone mm-hmm. is like everything I dislike shouldn't be in the library because yeah. and then they make up crazy things about like this is dangerous for kids and I'm like what <sighs> are you talking about literally what are you talking about because mm-hmm. people just want to f- <laughs> oh my god it's so insane but like you can see how and that has always been the case I'm sure it's just like we're mm-hmm. kind of you know it's happening again yeah. right now but it is there have always been people who are like censorship is such a common thing because people want what they want and not what anyone else anyone wants. else's wants. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like you can while reading this book, I was like, I can see how this I mean, this isn't actually that crazy. Like you said, I mean no, it's just wild. It's not
0: this and this is a world. this is a world where in this book, cancel culture has taken over. Cancel culture has gone wild. Like it's hard because like with censorship, there are some valid points you can make about things that could be positive about cancel culture and things that could be positive about censorship. But as a whole approach, it easily knocks out 50% of an argument on one side or the other. And you can't do that. That's not valid because you cannot (laughs) prove. Even if you disagree wholeheartedly, even if you think it's immoral, it doesn't matter because then you, then they're going to do it to you. Cancel culture is just not something that it just can't subsist. It just can't subsist. If it could, great. But this book is what happens if it were to continue, and I don't think it will, because this is dystopia. <laughs> I hope Jesus. Now I've said that. <laughs> knock on wood. Uh, but this is what happens if cancel culture were to continue, and it's—I mean, it's not sustainable, though. It can't subsist, and it doesn't. And the book—it starts to come crashing down because it can't—it can't be sustained. But that's like a whole other rant I can go off on. But I mean, this book, yeah, was... there's a
1: lot to be said about that because it's like—you're right. Like there are always this is why extremes are always bad <laughs> um, this is why extremes are bad this of course there why. are some times where i'm like yeah we should no longer be supporting this person or whatever and yeah. i totally i'm so on board mm-hmm. with that but i think i do agree like it sort of is in the same vein of like oh this is like even in this where baby is talking about he's like listen not everything in books isn't great and i'm like you're right. Yeah. Everything in books isn't great, but that doesn't no. mean we throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like,
0: it's true. It's
1: just very... It's wow. There's a lot to think about. (laughs) I
0: think the solution would just be letting people decide what they want to cancel individually. It's like boycotting or voting with your dollar. If you don't like something a CEO at a company said or you don't like the company's values, then don't support them. And other people who don't will also not support them. But don't then turn your lens on everybody else and say that you're going to cancel everybody else because they didn't cancel that person. That's where it's getting out of control. Cancel whatever you want as an individual. But cancel culture as, like, a whole is just not... It can't work. It just can't logically work. There's a... We are living
1: in an interesting time, aren't we? (laughs) We I don't know, because
0: it's like we have... But
1: I think that that can be said for literally any time. It's just, like, there's always going to be...
0: There's always stuff. But I didn't the first time I read Fahrenheit 451 as a kid... I was like, what a great dystopia. I wasn't like, wow, why is this so familiar? Reading it now, even the last, I've read it three times. I read it when I was a kid. I read it like probably like high school, college, and I read it now. And every single time I've had a hugely different reaction to it. This time I've had the most scary and intense reaction because so much of the things that make up this world are just commonplace now. Even in the last few years, Like, everything, even just our tech world has changed so much. Things move so fast in our culture that I was like, like this is terrifying. You know, you can go to, like, rooms and stuff. This is in real life where you just, like, go to, like, break stuff, like, rage rooms or something they're called. Those are in this book. Those, big, those are literally things Okay, in this you can't book. tell me
1: that doesn't sound fun, though.
0: No, no, it sounds delightful. And this is what I'm saying. I'm like, some of this stuff is awesome. AirPods are very cool, especially because you can listen to, like, thought provoking podcasts. Love not ours, but a different one. Yeah, not us. <laughs> We're just here for baseless entertainment. But
1: <laughs> vibes only. No thoughts.
0: No, but they're vibes only. No thoughts. <laughs> um, well, here's the thing, though.
1: Like, I think in. That I think this is still, I don't know. Um, This is my first time reading it, obviously. But Mm -hmm. there are things about it where I was like, "Wow, this is really similar." You know, for Mm -hmm. instance, AirPods or thinking about (laughs) censorship. But um, yeah. Also, I was reading it and I was like, "I just don't know that this." I think this might have. I don't know that it seems completely viable to me now because I think maybe in the fifties when it was written. Mm-hmm. It was easier for them to maybe imagine a world where it's like, oh, now we don't have books. But I'm like, yeah, so much of I think that it's true. People don't read physical books as much as they
0: used mm-hmm. to. But but books and stories pe- and entertainment are still. Yes.
1: And I don't yeah. think and I think that um, they might not have, Bradbury might not have foreseen like how much like personal digital material.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: how much people literally have computers in, on in their pocket.
0: And I yeah. don't think
1: that he, there was any way for him to feasibly think yeah. about that. And so no. it would be so it's just so different to think about it yeah. now. Like if it was written now, I just mm-hmm. don't know. Because it's like, OK, yeah, you can burn physical books. That doesn't mean that you actually. can get rid of no. every like the it. The di- Our digital footprint is so vast now. Like, yeah, you can't, nothing is gone really yeah. on the Internet or like there will always be something. So it's just interesting yeah. to think about it that way, too. Like,
0: I think when it was written, everything in it was written as like an exaggeration, like to the extreme. I don't think that when Ray wrote this, he was like envisioning that we would have like holograms which we do have that we would have rage rooms and and ear pods or air pods or whatever they are so i think that it was all written as an exaggeration and he just was coincidentally this is what's weird about like the like classic dystopian authors is when they're coincidentally right and then you read it and you're like how but then the stuff that they didn't get right or that's just not really feasible feels like wrong or out of place because the rest of everything else they got so right it highlights the ones that are like, well, that could never happen, and it's like, yeah, because everything he couldn't have gotten like a hundred percent right, he got like eighty <laughs> <Yeah>. percent right. <laughs> He's like, so it just really highlights okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it was all an exaggeration when he wrote it. Like it was all totally out there when he wrote it. So you'd read it and be like, wow, what a crazy future. <laughs> now you're like, wow, twenty percent of this would never happen. 80 percent of this is actually already (laughs) happening
1: fair enough (laughs) so while he's talking to Beatty they get like an alarm to go you know burn some books
0: burn down some books
1: they get there and it is Montag's house
0: (laughs) so this blew um, my mind yes I don't know if I've just previously like (laughs) skimmed the last part of this book but I felt like this was the first time. I was like, "Oh, dip! What?" As if I haven't read this story.
1: It's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, "Ooh, the drama!" And he realizes mm-hmm. Millie was the one who called the alarm on him.
0: Yep. <laughs> so she and leaves. the neighbor girls did it too. Yeah, but they like he let that slide. Yeah, he's like my own wife. Um,
1: Which And she
0: just leaves and she's like, the family, the family. She's so upset. She gets in a cab and leaves and she's just, she doesn't even like look at him or think about him. She's just like, oh, I'm going to miss the family.
1: I know. It's so crazy. Beatty makes Montag burn the house down. Mm -hmm. um, And he does. But then
0: (laughs) Montag gets so pissed off.
1: He burns Beatty with the flamethrower and Mm -hmm. Beatty
0: dies. Well, Beatty goes off on another one of his rants, yeah. right, and like his one of his big long speeches, and then he discovers he basically discovers that Montag has been listening to Faber in his ear this whole time. Also, Faber's been in his ear this whole time, right, being right. like, "Don't do that. Do that. Don't don't worry about that." Oh, and he has this great line where, when uh, sorry, to skip back a little bit, where when guys at the fire station, he's giving the book to Beatty, and the Beatty does his whole spiel. Faber says basically like don't panic guy Think, take time to think about what he said and in a few hours I'll tell you what I think and then you have to make up your mind what you decide but you can't decide based on because he said it or just because I said it you need to make up your own mind after you've heard both and I was just like what a reasonable perspective I like it um, and then basically I guess that's when Beatty kind of noticed that Montags was like listening to something and so then um, he basically gets the little what, it, what, it, what he calls it he calls it like a green bullet uh, green or something bullet, is what yeah. it's called yeah, like the little Bluetooth thing. So Beatty is like, they're at the house. He's had to burn all of his stuff down. Beatty's like, does his big long speech, and he's like, so I know you've been like listening to somebody. And he gets the Bluetooth thing, and he's like, oh, can't wait to track this back to its owner. And then he's basically just like kind of taunting guy at this point. And then guy does, he burns him alive, which yeah. is horrifying. <laughs> it's pretty And then crazy. he realizes it's crazy, and then he's like, hang on did Beatty want to die? Beatty wanted me to kill him. And you're like, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) It kind of did at the end seem, I think we're supposed to believe that that is what Beatty wanted. You could read it. You could read it. However, I, I read it as Beatty was done. He, he had all these big thoughts in his head. He had done so much reading and then he'd still chosen to be on the side of complete and total censorship. Mm -hmm. And I think that it just ate away at him. And he was done and he knew that he knew that he could get Guy to get rid of him. And yeah, anyways, it was horrifying, horrifying way to die. But kind of
1: awesome, though. Like, (laughs) I was like, whoa, this is getting crazy. Yeah.
0: Also, you guys have to picture like the fire hoses that in our world like spew water. They spew like liquid kerosene Mm -hmm. that's like on fire. So it's like liquid fire. Awesome. So it's kind of cool imagery—not the burning alive, <laughs> but the the kerosene. A
1: terrible, terrible way to go.
0: <laughs> it's so upsetting. It's like ugh, yeah.
1: one of my biggest fears: getting burned alive. Um,
0: same, and same.
1: It's horrible. <laughs> and so, also getting buried
0: alive. I'm
1: sure I've mentioned this.
0: Um, really, any any kind of like long and lingering death is not. <laughs> <laughs> so, don't know. sign me up for that <laughs> Oh, I Don't watched, put me down for that <laughs> Yeah yeah
1: don't put me down for lingering Long terrible death I made Haley watch The Mummy with me this week Because she'd never Hell seen it yes. Oh my I god know, I know so literally good. how It's the best movie ever I, I love The Mummy but I hate The part at the beginning When they mummify everybody alive Ugh. It is so Horrible and terrible To think about it makes me it freak awful. out. It makes me freak out. I hate it. And then when they they open the coffin later, spoilers for the Mummy, um, and <laughs> uh, like Imhotep's coffin, and there's like the scratch marks in there, uh, and the, she's like, oh, he would have died very slowly. I'm like, I literally cannot think of anything worse. But then I don't feel that bad for him because he's a huge bitch. But um,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, I hate that part of the Mummy. <laughs> uh, I love that whole movie so much. Ooh, that's what I need to get
0: Javi to watch with me. He keeps watching it without me, even though he knows it's my favorite. Okay, anyways,
1: it's just the best. It's so good. (laughs) It is. is. Haley was like, "Why is everyone in this movie so hot?" And I was like, "You're right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're right. It's true. (laughs) It is the hottest movie." (laughs) You're like, "That is the whole thing."
1: (laughs) The cool—I forgot his name, but like the cool Egyptian guy who like guards the the mummy he is so hot
0: so hot he, it's insane how hot he is i forget his name right now too but Why oh my god name? how could oh you not god. think he's hot and yeah he as starts soon with as an he A. showed up Haley was like oh yeah <laughs> oh
1: <Uh-oh. laughs> He is. It's like his voice too. Mm
0: -hmm. His whole his whole aesthetic is just so this is the hot guy. He's the hottest guy that's ever been. Yep.
1: And here's everyone else who is also extremely hot. Who's
0: also very hot. Yeah. Anyway, the mummy's
1: great. Um, So uh, then basically now there is this big they call it the hound, like the mechanical hound. And Uh. it is after Montag. It like manages to get Montag and it like puts weird stuff in him and then it
0: catches him and it like injects him with this needle and it's like but he manages to like flame throw it off yes before it can like fully inject so he's not gonna die but his legs all screwed up yeah Yeah.
1: and so he like saves some of his books he like hides them in another guy's house like kind of along with their firefighter framing plan and so then he calls an alarm on that guy Montag goes back to see Favor, and there's like another hound after him. Yeah, and like there's, basically like, a the super government's hound. after him.
0: He almost gets hit by a car, and he's like, Is that this? And it's a bunch of oh, kids. Oh, yeah. And he's like, Is that the same car that killed Clarice? Yeah. And you're he- just like, Probably. I don't know. I feel like it is. That's one that's very up for debate, but either way, horrifying. I Yeah. It's sad. <laughs> and the kids just like drive off, like laughing. Yeah, like, and they, they think it's funny. They don't to kill, kill him
1: because they were like, Oh, it might knock over a car. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> seriously, it's horrible. It's awful.
1: And so Faber's gonna like leave, and he's gonna go find like this printer that he knows. And so mm-hmm. Montag and Faber like part ways. Montag like leaves, and he's going into the woods. And mm-hmm. um like the chase is like being broadcast on TV, yeah. and it's crazy. And so he gets into the he like kind of washes off his scent by like going into the river. The river. Yeah. And then he like changes clothes. He's like walking around and he finds these guys who are just Mm -hmm. in the woods and they're like, Oh hey Montag, how are you? And he's like, Oh how do you know my name and they're like, Oh, it's all over T V like it's (laughs) on the news. These cool guys are like underground book people. Intellectuals, yeah. Yeah. And so they all have like some kind of specialty basically but they just like live under the radar and they have like huge portions of books memorized like mm-hmm. in there so like they're talking and they're like oh he's so and so and he's so and so just because of like what they know and then oh, they're, yeah, like, they're like what do Sofocles. you have he's yes.
0: some other philosopher dude <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: and Montag is like I've got a lot of Ecclesiastes and he's like oh great if our Ecclesiastes guy goes then you're it <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome and so they uh oh yeah and then this other guy and they show him on tv this other guy ends up getting caught and they pretend like the government is pretending that it's montag Mm -hmm. just so that the government
0: can't cannot and this is still true come at me They cannot show that they were wrong about anything. Even if they were 100% wrong and we all know it, they will never admit it. They will go to such lengths to be like, we're not wrong. We don't make mistakes. It's everybody else's fault. And they're like, see, we did get the guy. And it's just some rando. It's just this poor random guy. Yeah, some poor random guy who at some point the government had been like, "Mm, he's a troublemaker. We think he might be too intellectual. So he's on our watch list. Mm -hmm. And so they basically just chose him.
1: Yeah. And and they were just like,
0: we'll get rid of him instead.
1: Yeah. So he's dead. And Montag is now in the woods with all these guys. With all the. Um, And so, yeah. yeah, And so then they're kind of like he there's a lot of good conversation here. And so he's just thinking about everybody. And he's like, I guess. And then the war is going on and like people are getting. The war is
0: declared and it ends in the same day. Yep, and then so they're in the woods, and then the, they can see the bombs coming to the city that he just left. Mm-hmm. And Millie's in there. Faber luckily is on his way out of the city. Yeah, so we assume that he survives. But Millie and everybody else, the city gets decimated, like turned to ashes. Yeah, and they see it, and they get like kind of tossed by, by the like the power, like of the bomb or whatever. And they're but they're okay because they were far enough away. And that's that. And that's what Faber had predicted was going to happen, and it's horrifying, but it's also kind of like, they move off into kind of like, the new era, they talk about like, how civilization or whatever has like, ended and begun and all that kind of stuff, and their base it's kind of this like vibe of we're going to rise from the ashes of this Mm -hmm. and we're going to bring back free thought into the world like they talk about they have network of like thousands they have like a network of like thousands of people who just basically like roam the intellectuals and people who were basically just evicted from society for not for not surrendering free thought and um basically this was the platform that Faber felt like nothing is going to change maybe after the war when everything has been shaken up then maybe you can go in and shake things up some more after things are already destabilized. So basically that is, that's like the era they're kind of moving off into together. And now Guy is just one of these, one of these traveling intellectuals and we have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, so. it's very up in the air, but it's very, like, very seems hopeful now that
1: we know there are people who are kind of fighting
0: back. So. Yeah. It's both horrifying because of the city's decimation, and then it's also like the war is over. That was it. (laughs) It's horrifying. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So horrifying, and then hopeful, and then completely ambiguous. And that's the end of it. That's
1: night, how I like want. my dystopia to end, you know. I know that is how you like your dystopia.
0: You're like I don't want full hope. I need no, a little bit of uh, ambiguity in there. You need it to
1: think maybe it could stay horrible forever, you know, because that's Yeah, the- you're like
0: I need to potentially believe that everything <laughs> is awful from here on out. Listen, I love believing everything is awful. It's my favorite. I know game. you do. It's so weird, especially cuz I feel like I feel like I'm more of a cynical person than you are in real life. And I'm like government this and society that and then we gets to books and you're like what if everything's bad and I'm like I hope everything is sunshine and rainbows (laughs) well I just think it's more realistic (laughs) I I guess I'm just tired of reality I'm like reality has failed me I don't want any more oh no I'm one of the people in this book I literally was
1: like okay going back to your parlor family after this Ash." uh oh
0: yeah 100% (laughs) no no the books are my escape But, Mm. oh, but there's a, there's a comment here I was going to say that Beatty said something about, because you were saying how basically like Ray Bradbury, you didn't think that he predicted like the massive footprint that digital media and digital books and stuff would have. And I think that that's totally true. And I think, but I think like what Faber was saying about, um, basically like even the parlor walls could have, they could give you what books used to give you. Like Mm. it's not, it's about the ideas. It's not about the platform that you're distributing them on, um, but it, hes I think Faber is the one who says or maybe it's Beatty it's one of the two says something about the quality of the thought so yeah. it's not about having books or having TV or what you listen to or how much you listen to of what it's about the quality of what you're listening to so like I think reading is an escape but I also think that even within an escape, you can still learn things. I like mine to typically have a happy ending, but it's still good to branch out and read things that have an ambiguous ending or a sad ending too, and (laughs) I have, but it's just about the quality of the content. which is definitely. And I think that we, as long as people are still like thinking, we will always have quality content depending on censorship and maybe in the future, it may be harder or not as hard to get to, but we're always going to have it. You can't pound free thought out of people. You can make them hide it, You can't get rid of it. Even Beatty, whose entire job was to eliminate the last vestiges of free thought. Even he had it. To Mm -hmm. the point where he couldn't handle the problem, like, the juxtaposition between his mental world and his reality, where he just wanted things to end, which is awful. But, like, you can't totally get rid of free thought. And I like that. and
1: of course not. And so that's, like, and, I mean, that's just, the whole book proves that because there are still people who are, you know... memorizing books, and, like, they've organized this. Even in that society,
0: they couldn't get rid of it entirely. No,
1: and they know that Montag is gone, but they're not going to do anything about it because they're like, well, now we can't find him. I guess it's whatever. So it's like they don't (laughs) see it as a threat, but we as the reader can think, hopefully, that it could be a threat to the society later, you know? And that's what I love about dystopia because there's always... Like you think at, on at, when you first start reading it, you're like everybody in the society is like this or like this is how mm-hmm. it is in this mm-hmm. society. But then as you keep reading, there's always the whole point of it is that it's not completely working like that yes. is the whole point of it, which I it's love. It's true. That's a great I, I love it too.
0: <laughs> I think one of the big, I think one of the biggest fallacies that the media tries to push today is that everybody is angry. And that everybody is extreme. I think the reality is that all of us are, we have our own ideas and opinions and reasons for them. And that we probably want to find some middle ground. And I don't think that the majority of us are as extreme as we all think that we are. And I think we probably all have a lot more in common than we don't. But I don't think that that... I think it's definitely true, but I don't think it's what, like, big media at the moment wants us to think. And I think, like, in this book, it was hard to see the fact that people, even people who were horrible like Beatty, are having free, th- free thoughts and deep thinking and actually had a lot of ideas in common with Guy. He just had a lot of different ideas, too, that were an issue. But, like, I just think we have a lot more in common than that. And, like, everybody was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Everybody in the society was completely disillusioned. Everyone had that in common for sure. So, but there's always more in common than not. Sometimes you just have to look for it because, frankly, it's just not as exciting as thinking that everybody in the world is against you. <laughs> well, there is some truth to that for
1: sure because I mean, if you think about just being online, th- mm-hmm. they li- things that are trying to get a reaction out of you will be promoted to you so that mm-hmm. you will interact with them and be mad. Yep. Yep. So that it'll get more clicks. Like yes. that is literally how it works. And yes, it's just it this thing where you're kind of always being fed things that are, like, trying to make you mad. Mm-hmm. Or, like, they know how you feel about something. So the, so, so,
0: they yeah. want to make you feel more <laughs> that the way. They
1: will show you something else to make you yes. mad. But then it's like, okay, what is actually the validity of this thing that I'm mad about? Or mm-hmm. is it just a thing to get me to click on this? You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: it's true. It's like a clickbait I, thing. It's totally a clickbait thing. It's about, it is about like the sensational things because whatever is the most sensational to you is what the algorithms are going to show you. Mm -hmm. And it has this, it can kind of make us feel a little more entrenched in our own mindset, which I think is a little dangerous because maybe we don't all have the same ideas about how to solve the problems, but I think that almost all of us can identify the problems. We're like, yes, we know this is a problem. We have some very different ideas about how to solve it and that's what we argue about, but that's what we should be arguing about. Because then hopefully we argue and we have intelligent discourse and we reach a solution that we can try that perhaps because we've had all these viewpoints could be more effective than if just one side or the other got to push their solution. But we're so busy being mad at each other's ways of solving the problem that we've forgotten that we all see the same problem and we're all trying to fix the same problem. So I think that this book is a good reminder of that. And I think that that's where society is. um... So everyone's so mad right now is that we're forgetting that like the people who you think are wrong and immoral very likely you disagree with their strategies to solve the same problem you're upset about. They could be wrong, I mean, 100%, but... It's kinda of like how they say in marriage counseling, it's supposed to be you and your partner against the problem, not you against your partner. <laughs> I think this is very much where we've gone off the rails as <laughs> society. Well, it's just so fun to be mad at people, you know. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> this is the problem. It's really fun to be mad uh, at people. That's it's why so I fun. like to sometimes like have a government rant because it's like a big faceless entity I can be mad at. And I will always be because there's some very valid reasons to it. But it is fun. It <laughs> is I love fun. Government. Uh,
1: I think that it's just. I keep coming back to Beatty's arguments for why they started doing mm-hmm. it, and how interesting it is to me that one of the main things was just that he, he's so hung up on it doesn't even make sense because he's trying to take all of literature and make it into one thing that makes sense. And yeah. he's like, look, how contradictory even the same person can be. And I'm like, yeah, because yeah. literature is what humans think. <laughs> so yeah. humans are contradictory, and not everybody's going to agree with each other. And that's why no. we there ha- is so much, you know, academic discourse and stuff. He's, and then he was saying something about, and what about, uh, like, academics? It's just everyone yelling at each other. And I'm like, yeah, that's how people talk about big issues you know yeah like it's true it's just it's just so interesting that in this society where it's like everything is so um pointless basically all their media is just no thoughts head Mm -hmm. empty um it's so interesting (laughs) that that is such a big hang up for him is that Mm -hmm. it's like Well, this doesn't make sense. It's almost like
0: he's like, it makes you think too much. It's exactly (laughs) what it is. It's very
1: interesting. I really enjoyed this book, honestly. It's true.
0: I think... I think it's better to have people yelling at each other than to have no one talking at all. Because, like, you might not solve a lot of things screaming at each other, but you're going to solve more than if you weren't saying anything at all. It's So true. maybe we can maximize that by speaking respectfully to each other. But regardless, like, screaming at each other is better than nothing at all, which is what the society had, was no discourse of yeah. any kind, screaming or not.
1: I think that is a big thing about it. Yeah, that, I think that's what I was getting out of it. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. Um, And i and I think that, you know, yeah, ignorance is bliss, but also what kind of a world is it if everybody just does that, (laughs) you know, it's okay to not engage in, I was having a conversation with, about this with somebody recently, but I think it's perfectly valid, like to not want to engage with every single thing that you see on Twitter or whatever, because it's like, if you worry about everything in the world that is terrible, you will, literally never be happy and you that's will true. be constantly upset <laughs> because yep. you can't change everything just by yourself. No. And even if you could, like, worrying about every single thing is so... it It's just not... the It's not a good way to live. But no. I think at the, on the other end of that, you have to care about something or else who are you? Like, that's what... Yeah. Humans are supposed to have something to care about. Otherwise yeah. you end up this vapid, like media obsessed but like Shell no critical thought no yeah it's like you have to you, have to find you a can't balance. completely give up on things that you care no. about so yeah it's i like, think that's why yeah. balance is so important
0: <laughs> it is he, and be, just, being a healthy human is nuanced it is a tightrope walk and it is i need to care but not too much about everything all the time yes but you have to care and yeah. do something if you can but don't be so upset if you can't or if you need to take a break, that you're, like, hating on yourself for not making a difference. Right. You can't make a difference all the time because you'll burn out and then make no difference at all. Exactly. And it's that awful back and forth that we all get stuck between. And so this society tried to solve it by just stepping back and saying we're not going to care about anything at all anymore. Yeah. Which is definitely not correct. But going all the way the other way, which is I think some people... I think the loudest people in media right now have kind of gone to the other extreme where they're so mad about everything all the time that we can't focus on one issue long enough to realize that we all agree it's a problem and try to find a solution. So there has to be like a middle ground.
1: There has to. And um, I think that's what I love about dystopia is like that. That's always what it is. It's literally that there is a problem in the society. And so it gets fixed, quote, fixed in A completely insane way (laughs) so they're like okay we're just not doing it anymore or like um yep it's sort of like in the giver it's like everything is gone now we're controlling everything because it's too much work whenever people have all these choices and can think about things themselves (laughs) it's
0: just too much like this was a problem so we solved it (laughs) and you're like and you're "Hmm." like well you didn't because you can't but uh, that's the thing like
1: dystopia is always about trying to fix problems you can't solve
0: It's always. But doing it in the wrong way. It's about one person was like, I have an idea for a utopia. (laughs) And then that one person got all the power. And now we have a dystopia. And that's why you can't ever have a utopia. Fascinating. It's true. Yeah, it is fascinating. God, I just love this book. Doesn't it make you think just like hundreds of thoughts that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise?
1: Yeah, I love books that make you think.
0: (laughs) That's the whole point. of. That's also the entire theme of this book. Wow, it's
1: so meta. (laughs) It's so
0: meta. Oh, it is. God, I love this book, though. Everybody read this book. It's like one where, like, how could you get mad about it? Like, this is just, we can all agree that some of the stuff in here are problems we deal with now. We can all agree they're problems and maybe we can figure out some of a solution if we all (laughs) just like talk to each other and be like, you're a reasonably intelligent person, even though you disagree with me. You're a reasonably intelligent person and we're all relatively moral. (laughs) We just disagree about some things. I think we could get so far well this book makes me feel hopeful I think dystopians make me feel really hopeful even when they're like very ambiguous
1: you're like wow I love it when the society just crushes everyone it's so fun. No, well I'm
0: like hey we're not that bad yet oh exactly. we could be much worse that's how I feel
1: every time I watch um Porters. I'm like I'm not that bad
0: yeah Mine's you're like it could be way messy. worse <laughs> that's yeah. my favorite
1: reason to watch
0: <laughs> exactly that's why we oh god it. it's so true um yeah Oh, it's I, so nice to feel superior. Isn't it? <laughs> and
1: that's the whole point of what you're talking about. But I think that, um, no. Lots to think about, lots to uh, unpack. There's, mm-hmm. I'm sure, a lot more we could say about this. Oh, yeah. This but brush. now for
0: balance, I'm probably going to watch something that's mostly fluff. Because I've done a lot of thinking already today. And I've been writing a lot lately, actually. So my brain is like, wow, we are tired of having big thoughts a lot. And I'm like, good job, brain. You need to build your your muscles back again. Because I just feel like I've been very stupid lately. Because I haven't been, like, really engaging with what I've been reading. And I haven't Uh been writing. So my brain has just been, like, taking a break. And I'm like, I need you to work harder. But then because I'm an extreme person, I'm like, work really, 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 really hard. And then I'm exhausted. So, (laughs) not good, Ash. (laughs) Not good. I'm not good at the tightrope walk. I felt like I made a really good point about humanity being nuanced. And then you're like, maybe that's not me. (laughs) Really? No, no. It's something I understand as a hypothesis and putting it into actual practice. Like so, not my strength at all. I'm like, wouldn't it be great if everybody did this? And like, it's like, how do you do that, Ash? And it's like, haha, I have no idea. Don't ask me. I'm the last person <laughs> who, that should be this, saying anything about it, it.
1: Theoretical, you know. Theor- all hypothetical. Theoretically, it would be great if this was the case. But yeah, sometimes there are extremes. Sometimes extremes aren't necessary, honestly. Mm-hmm. But um,
0: yeah, because
1: not. Well, that's why I'm is saying. saying now I'm going to take a break. Through.
0: But yeah, now I'm going to take a break and be silly. So that when my brain is like, we're going to rush and do all the other intellectual stuff again. (laughs) If I could just like have like a baseline, like all the time where I do both, that's probably more effective. But it's fine to do it this way, too. It's fine to
1: uh, be silly, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Go be silly. I love it.
0: Anyways, uh, uh, what was your uh, favorite part of this book? uh, My favorite part,
1: I think, was at the end when he met the guys. Because I'm like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: we're doing it. When you met Sophocles and Aristotle. <laughs> hell yeah, <Ecclesiastes>. dude. <laughs>
1: yeah. Hell <laughs> <So laughs> yeah. Um, It's just, yeah. I, I
0: like think all of my favorite parts, and this is very strange, were Beatty's speeches. Because <laughs> I was just like... <laughs> God, I mean, it's so hard. Like usually, when I disagree with someone, I'm right away like I disagree. I'm not even going to hear your points, which is bad because that's not how we solve things. But that's like usually right away. I'm like, I can immediately see all of the fallacies in your logic, and I'm not into it. With Beatty, I was like, you're making some very good points, and I know that you're wrong, but you're making them so eloquently. <laughs> you're like, hmm, okay. I'm like, if only you were for good, you could make such an impact because He's you using are his
1: powers for evil. no. yes. It-
0: <laughs> exactly. But I, I really enjoyed all of his speeches. Um, not agreed with, but enjoyed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What about least favorite parts?
1: Um, I was sad when I heard that Clarissa was dead. I don't know. <gasps> yeah, Generally, Clarice. though, I just liked the book. It was so yeah. short.
0: <laughs> it is so short, you guys. this is we, we talked about it a lot, and this might be a slightly longer episode because of it, just because it makes you think. But this is not a long book, and it's, it's extremely so nice. short. <laughs> yeah. If you read it all in one setting, it's even better, because I feel like you really get like the flow of the thing.
1: Yeah. I um, basically read it in two sittings, so it's like...
0: I did, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: let me think. I, my least favorite part, it might be when Clarice dies also, or no i think it's i think it's when he comes and he finds millie like overdosed oh that That was was just so sad and horrifying and then like when like ray went into like you know like how that's like this whole part of society now i was like this is crushing and horrible Mm -hmm. very very sad um what about favorite characters
1: uh i think montag Montag's pretty cool i really enjoyed that I loved the reveal that he's been stealing books for a while. I think it makes so much more sense. Like, because I was starting to think, like, okay, is this guy really turning on a dime? He literally went from being the enforcer of this of the law to, mm-hmm. I'm going to go against the law. And I was like, is, this really makes sense. But then I was like, oh, this has been brewing for a while. Yeah. Which I really true. liked. And so yeah. I feel and like. Clarice
0: it's... says that, like, you're a different guy. You look at me when I talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been a teeny bit different from the beginning.
1: He always has, yeah. So I like that because it's like um, he he makes sense to me as like a main character for this kind mm. of self discovery. <laughs> I agree.
0: I agree. I think my favorite character is Clarice because I just love that Luna Lovegood energy, um, and she's like my role model. I'm like I wish I could be like you. I'm I feel like I'm a little too get like get it done, keep moving to really be a Clarice because she's just kind of like <laughs> taking life as it comes, and I'm like. If I were my best self, I would be, like, 50% more Clarice energy. Aww. Um So she's just my role model. But honorable mention for Guy, because I agree. Such a strong main character. And I, I think that the most impressive and brave thing somebody can do is change their mind. So I love seeing that in this character that I have so much respect for. Yeah. Because I think that we're all afraid to change our minds, because... Like, it, it looks bad, and then you have to count for all the time before, and you have to take accountability for being wrong, and it sucks, and I don't like it, and, yeah, exactly. and Guy did it so well. Uh, he just didn't even think about the fact that he was really wrong before. He was just like, I'm going to be right from now on. I love
1: that, because you can get so hung up on things that you've done before where you're like, I don't know, lately I've i been feeling very inward lately, and I've been kind of spiraling, like, thinking about Every single mistake I've ever made in my life. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, i it was very easy for me to start being like, I'm literally the worst person who's ever lived. (laughs) But the best you can do is just like be like, okay, I'm starting again now and I'm going to be great from now on. And, you know, you're not going to always meet up to that, but you can Mm -hmm. do your best. So best. I think that, like, yeah. that's what he was kind of doing. He was like, well, now I'm I'm on the side of good now.
0: <laughs> that's true. And I think he's, like, one of the bravest characters I've ever read for that reason. Not for any of his actions. I think he's very hot-headed and foolish because I think that, well, I don't know, things had to happen the way they did or else he would have been in the city when it was bombed and all that. But I think that not his stealing the books, not his, you know fighting Beatty, not his, you know, running from the hound. I don't think any of that was the bravest thing he did. I just think it was changing his mind and being open to having his mind changed. Especially yep. when he was such a very public figure on yes. his side of things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think that was just very, very impressive. Um, least favorite character... Can I say Millie also? Just so disappointed in her.
1: <laughs> I know. And I feel bad because I feel like there was no chance for her character. Like, she was no. already brainwashed, you know?
0: She was too far gone. She yeah. was very much, I feel like, kind of portrayed as too far gone. Yeah. And Guy tried. He tried so hard to try and, like, pull her out of that uh-huh. weird, like, space she was in. And she was just resisting, resisting, resisting. It just wasn't going to happen, yeah. yeah.
1: i don't know probably Um, same because i was annoyed with her but i felt bad for her at the same time
0: oh i felt bad for her too it was awful her friends weren't great either i don't know um the government as a figure i also did not like but he's more like a shadowy (laughs) character in the back
1: we hate big brother
0: we hate big brother i can you guys tell i'm libertarian it's feel like it's very obvious because i'm like government's bad all of it which sides all the sides
1: (laughs) you're literally like like i'm an anarchist
0: People have said that I'm not an anarchist. I want structure, but I want it decentralized. I can go do that on a different podcast. I'll go on that rant some other time. Well, not on this podcast. You guys don't want it here. But if you guys want my rant, um, reach out, DM us. I'm happy to.
1: He will do it.
0: I'm happy to do it. Please just give me the chance. I do try not to do it on the pod, because that would be obnoxious, and it's not what you guys are here for. But this book just made me be like, yeah, this theme. But okay. anyways, uh, favorite quotes?
1: Okay, this is when he's talking. Montag is talking to Faber, and this is uh, his speech about how it's like what the book is about rather than what the, like, it just being a book. And mm-hmm. I'm just gonna read the paragraph, <laughs> because I love it. <laughs> It's not books you need. It's some of the things that were once in books. The, th- the same things could be in the parlor families today. The same infinite detail and awareness could be projected through the radios and televisors, but are not. No, no, it's not books at all you're looking for. Take it where you can find it, in old phonograph records, old motion pictures, and in old friends. Look for it in nature and look for it in yourself. Books were only one type of receptacle where we stored a lot of things we were afraid we might forget. There is nothing magical in them at all. The magic is only in what books say, how they stitch the patches of the universe together into one garment for us.
0: Ah, oh, so is that not good. crazy? it's crazy it's so good i
1: it's wish so i could good. write like this
0: <laughs> i know i underlined so many quotes in this book this book is so heavily quotable and most of them are kind of long too my favorite quote is on page 62 of my edition it's the like i said McDougal little edition it's good it's got like extra readings and stuff in it too which is kind of fun if you guys want to check it out um mine is so i'm trying to figure out where my quote is from um I believe, aha, it is from Beatty. Of course it's from Beatty. But Beatty is making a very good point. But he's making it for, like, the wrong purpose, basically. But he's basically talking about um, why, uh, basically, he's, he's saying this is, a, this is why we should get rid of free thought. This is why everybody should think the same thing. Because there will be no more strife if no one's disagreeing. And so, this is what he says. We must all be alike not everyone born free and equal as the constitution says but everyone made equal each man the image of every other then all are happy for there are no mountains to make them cower to judge themselves against
1: wow
0: i think it's really good i think a lot of my favorite quotes were from lady because i was like you make such a good point and then you just turned around and used it for the wrong thing (laughs) you were so close (laughs) so close baby he really chose evil (laughs) he He really was right on the line and he chose evil (laughs) (laughs) oh my god Uh, how many pinkies would you give this book uh I'm gonna give it four and a half nice I'm gonna give it five pinkies up which is not a surprise to anyone here but five pinkies up for sure if I could give it more I would give it more (laughs) Next week, we are having our last book of the season. It is a listener recommendation. It is Fallen by... Hang on, I don't remember the author's name. Fallen by Lauren Kate. This was a listener recommendation. I do not remember the name of the person who recommended it, but I will look it up and we will credit them next episode. So thank you to the person who recommended that. We love our recommendations. And that book will finish out season three of That Pretentious Book Club. Yay! Yay! And then as a reminder to everybody, we take a hiatus week between seasons. So Fallen will come out uh, next Monday, and then there will be a week of just vibes and instagram and uh vibes
1: only maybe vibes i'll make only. a tiktok again
0: Ooh, spoons <laughs> might make you a tiktok and then we'll be back per usual the next week with our first episode of season four which will probably be a jane austen because that's uh what we've been doing so far i
1: believe so. it's northanger abbey
0: northanger abbey is that how you say it northanger abbey no,
1: in my northanger head i always abbey. go
0: Northinger abbey which i don't think is correct oh that probably is correct I don't you know. think so I wait, how do you if say If you know DM us. <laughs> DM us if you know how to say the name <laughs> of that Oh bar. no. <laughs> I literally didn't even think about
1: how it was pronounced. I was like, this is how it this is how I say it. Um <laughs>
0: I have no <laughs> I mean,
1: idea. Well, but but, but kind of rest bothered.
0: assured Listen, we'll look it up before the episode. And we still have Fallen and and then Hiatus Week before then. But anyways, come back next week for that episode. Um, You guys can follow us on social media. Until then, we're on Instagram and we are on TikTok. I actually put out some TikToks. Like I said, my little parakeet brain was like, let's do TikTok. So go check it out. Um, We are That Pretentious Book Club, unsurprisingly. If you guys want to talk about books, you want to ask me about libertarianism. Nobody wants to do that. If you want to uh, make book recommendations or you want to see us do something specific on YouTube, Patreon, social media whatever it is, you guys can DM us on the social, or you can email us at contact@storysirenstudio.com. If you guys want to support the pod, like I said, visit us on Patreon. We've got lots of fun, exclusive content on there. For now, we even have our video episodes up exclusively for Patreon peeps, so go check it out. There's various tiers you can look at. Um, you could also support the pod by checking out our merch. We have some cool merch for the production company, Story Siren Studio, and also for that pretentious book club. You can learn more about Kenzel and I and how the pod got started all at storysirenstudio.com. Yeah. So yeah, so go check it out. Uh, thank you guys again for joining us. Thank you for listening to our long diatribes. But how could you not diatribe about Fahrenheit 451?
1: <laughs> I challenge you not to diatribe.
0: I challenge you not to. Yes, but thank you guys for tolerating um, me. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Oh my God. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll see you guys next week. And until then, keep your teacups full, <laughs> your pinkies high, and your book club. Pretentious!